Head over to Eddie and the Star Cruisers on Facebook. We're a collective of independent creators with movies, music, comics, art, podcasts, wrestling, and crafts. And head to Eddie and the Star Cruisers on Facebook, where the perfect gift can be found for just about anybody. Hi, this is Kevin Mangold from Red Clover, and you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. to another all-new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. It's March. That means it's time for March Madness. No, that's another show altogether. It's March. That means it's time to look for the little people, the leprechauns. And with us, we have stuntman, an actor, and an all-around fun guy. So, please welcome, from Red Clover, or Leprechaun's Revenge, depending on how you find it, the leprechaun himself, Kevin Mangold. Right on. Thanks, Moose. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You have a very extensive stunt career. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What got you into stunts? I mean, obviously, you you like doing stunts. That's what got you into stunts. But what's the like? What's the process? What do you? How do you get into stunts? I guess, you know, there are a lot of different ways of getting into it. My my goal was always to be an actor, and so I got into stunts just sort of. Uh, by way of, you know, doing a little bit acting parts. And then people would say, hey, you're pretty physical. Have you ever thought of doing stunts? And that that is how I started doing stunts. Uh, my first real, not really, I guess not my first, my first big job stunt-wise was Seabiscuit. And that was also my biggest acting role and my first big acting role. And um, and I really just, I'd done little little stunt jobs prior to that. But after Seabiscuit, I just kind of didn't look back. I, I was able to really make a career of it after that. Um, how, how you get into it, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's a long story of how to get into it, but anybody can do it. And I do, whenever I see people on the street that look perfect for it, I go, oh my God, dude, you know, or a girl, or, you know, whoever they are, you, you should be doing stunts. It's mainly just body ability, you know, being able to, you know, physicality and, and also a control of fear has a lot to do with it. Can you take a fall? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, I I can take a fall. You know, we, obviously, stuntmen all learn how to take a nice, you know, take a fall nicely and not injure yourself. And um, and I've certainly done that. I've taken a fall from pretty much everything. You know, <laughs> been hit by cars and fallen from from lots of things. And um, uh, I, I I mostly don't get hurt. I won't say I never do. I've been hurt an awful lot, I've broken a lot of body parts, but um, so I can take a fall both safely and unsafely. Oh, and I'd imagine it's a, an occupational hazard where, yeah, it's no matter how you prep for it, you, you're bound to injure something at some point. Yeah, at some point. Well, I'll say it's, doing stunts is definitely safer than horse racing, you know. So so I feel safer now. <laughs> doing stunts than I ever was than I ever was racing. Um, you know, on on a set obviously there there's a whole crew of people whose job it is is 
just to make sure that I'm safe. And, uh, and so that, that's a nice feeling. You know, I mean, I don't get that every day. You know, when I'm out being stupid and doing dangerous things, I don't get that. But it's really nice to be on, on a set with to have somebody just always watching out for, for your best interest. And so, uh, so it's really not unsafe. Well, and if you're going to be out doing stupid shit, you might as well get paid for it. Right. I do a lot of I do a lot of unpaid stupid shit though. That that is true. <laughs> I just I mostly just try to convince people. Could you just pay me for it once in a while, and that and then it works out. If you can just get paid occasionally, then it's worth it. You know, yeah, like you said, the the first one you did was uh, Sea Biscuit, and it was funny because I was reading your bio, and you're what five seven, I think. No, I'm five even. Oh, five even. I thought it said five seven. Yeah, even. that that's even worse. Uh, that's going to make this sound bad. Um, I was like, wow, he should be a jockey. And I was like, oh shit, he played a jockey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was a jockey for nine years at Santa Anita and Hollywood park. And I, I mean, I, I rode all over the country at different tracks, but my home track was Santa Anita. And, um, but no, I don't think I know any five, maybe a couple of five, seven jockeys, but they would be super, super skinny. I might've known a couple, but, uh, but for the most part, jockeys are all, you know, five, between between five even and five three or five four, you have to be about 105 pounds or so. God, who'd have thought five seven is um, too tall for something? Oh yeah, it's huge. Five seven, God, it's a giant. <laughs> I'm six three. I'd love to see you standing next to me. How tall are you? Six three. Oh my God! Yeah, I've had some really cool roles where I get to play against you know people that are super tall, and I've always I always like doing that. You know, there's uh, I, I've been cast in a lot of a lot of commercials and stuff where I'm I'm playing just an average sized person, but to make the area roomier. Like for example, if you're sitting in a car, then somebody my size, my body is, is proportioned. I'm just sort of a miniature version, and so when I sit in a car, it makes the car look super huge. Whereas if you put you in the car, it's gonna you know you're gonna oh, fill yeah. it up. And so, um, so it's funny to put me next to somebody that's, you know, really tall because it literally looks like two completely separate photographs put next to each other. And I have fun with that sometimes. I got some really good photos of me hanging, like hanging off of giant people and stuff. (laughs) Pick me up. I don't want to. (laughs) Right. Well, and because of your height, you play, you, you do stunts for a lot of kids, yeah, mostly. Well, yeah, kids and women. Kids and women. Yeah. And I say that to segue into uh, *Brightburn*. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. *Superman Gone Horror*. You, right. you got to play. The, you, you did the stunts for an evil Superman. Uh, what was yeah. that experience like? Well, *Brightburn* was so incredible to work on. It was really a lot of fun. I got to you know hang hang around the set most of the day, and you know stuntmen not like most crew, you know, I'll say the vast majority of film crew, you know, they work 24 seven, you know, they're working from the minute they show up to set until they leave they're they're working. Uh, for me as a stunt double, um, I get to just sit around and I get to talk to people and take pictures and have fun and hang out. And then when it's my turn to, to roll, then I get up there and, you know, it takes five or 10 minutes and I'm done for the day. And that really is uh, a typical schedule. And so Brightburn was no different. And I got to really hang out with, you know, everybody. And, uh, you know, Jackson Dunn and Elizabeth Banks, of course. And uh, uh, the scene, the first scene that I shot was where I kill uh, the character as Noah. Matt played by Matt Jones in the bathroom. He's brushing his teeth. And I swing down from the uh, from the bathroom ceiling. 
and uh, I, that's the first one I got to do. And so that that was the first day that I met, you know, everybody and stuff. And um, so that that one was really awesome. That was that was a lot of fun. I actually even I don't know if I should say, but I put my my phone down in the bathtub and I filmed every take from <laughs> from a bottom angle of me. It was I was on like a rig, you know, like a harness. I was wearing a harness, and then it would drop down, and I would swoop. Uh, down toward the floor and then back up again. Uh, so that one was, was a lot of fun. But I, I did a whole bunch of those, like flying, you know, where they would put me in a harness and I would lift up. And then we did uh, a couple of really cool ones where it was just a, kind of like a magic trick where we had a hollow space cleared out on the set. And then the camera would uh, point one way. I just remember when the sheriff was walking through the house, through the hallway in the house, and uh, so in one scene, I'm floating outside on a harness and then the camera slowly turns and then they drop me down, under, uh, you know, release the harness and quickly run through this little tunnel that brings me all the way around to the other side of the set so that when the when the camera bends around, I'm also standing on the other side. So that was a really cool shot and a lot of fun, a lot of fun to do. Well, that means theoretically you were in probably the majority of my favorite scenes in the movie then. Right on. Well, you know, it's easy when, when the main character wears a mask. You can get away with using the double for nearly everything. Uh, watching the movie, the the action scenes were probably my preferred scenes. Like, I'm not a huge Brightburn fan. It's not a terrible movie. It's just, it's like the story seemed a little disjointed. But the action sequences and the stunts and everything like that were spot on. I mean, and, and the kills were amazing. So right on. That's Vladimir Vladimir Tevlovsky. That's the coordinator. He probably he probably deserves all that credit. He's he's really top notch. Yeah, I mean it, it had the potential to be this like grand epic, and I just I, I I think each department had their own vision of what the movie should have been, hmm. and they just couldn't like meet in the middle. I mean, it's still hmm. a, it's it's a very it's a decent movie it, it could have been a lot better i mean you have this premise of essentially evil superman yeah there's so much you can do with that it, it, it's interesting that the the audience you know from what i've seen the audience is torn on whether he was too evil and and he wasn't evil enough and so that's that's the debate i've seen over the movie is that it wasn't realistic that you know he should have been more evil and that he shouldn't have been he should have you know softened it and you know become a good guy like superman did and so i to me it seems like that's that's what people don't agree on. Hopefully, a second one will come. Well, see, I think he made the right. You know, I I, I think the right. I, I think the choice is made to keep him evil because that 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 was the thing. Like, if you look at the two stories, Superman was told at an early age what he was. Mm-hmm. The kid in Brightburn wasn't told. You know, he yeah. It, it was all kept a secret, and it's that nature nurture debate. Mm-hmm. You can take two. Th- Two people with the same abilities, you can nurture those abilities and turn them to good. Or in Brightburn's case, you can, you know, try to hide them. You can shun them. And then when this kid's going through puberty and realizes he has all of these powers, yeah, the dark side's going to come out. That part, I think, was masterfully done. You find out you have all these powers right at puberty. Puberty's hard enough. And now you're not human. You have the ability to fly. You can do things with your mind. You're super strong. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> I, you know, I couldn't imagine that kid's headspace. Yeah, for for me, the, the thing that stuck out is that the, and obviously what made him angry about it and what made him evil as opposed to, you know, the, the, the happy Superman character is that his parents didn't tell him about it. They kept it a secret, you know, and to me, maybe just personally, but I, I'm not sure whether they intended, but to me, it, it implied, um, you know, he was adopted, obviously, in the movie. He was clearly from another planet, and so he was, in a way, adopted. But to me, this whole thing kind of read as an allegory to people who are not told what their real family storyline is until much later in life, and, and the anger that that brings out toward yeah. the parents. And Yeah, and it just festers. I mean, you can either... and. You know, obviously, it puts the parents in a weird spot. Do you tell a kid early on that they're adopted, we're not your real parents? You know, and I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword no matter where you look at it. But there seemed to have been, like, especially on the dad's side, shame in who the kid was and mm-hmm. the powers he had. And I think that really built up to the evil character that we saw in the movie mm-hmm. and same as life he shamed him because he was afraid of how other people would see him and how he would affect you know how he would be affected by others and you know it's that it's that thing uh, i think i'm doing it to protect you but it's actually the thing that's pushing him away it was very well thought out right it's like I, i'm doing i'm doing this for your protection but it's more you know and anytime you do something to, for somebody's protection. It never works. It never works. <laughs> well, I mean, it's certainly not if they don't ask for it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they ask for it, then step away. But if, if it's not asked for, then it's kind of just uh, interfering. I, I will say, my misgivings aside, Brightburn seems, especially since it hit Netflix, has been on yeah. the uh, climb for viewers and stuff like it it was number 10 in america recently mm, no i didn't know that that's great yeah, so <laughs> you know it, it's really found a new audience now that it's more readily available it's streaming everywhere mm-hmm. so brightburn 2 looks like it's more possible at this point <laughs> more of a possibility rather <laughs> yeah yeah i'm hoping I don't hate the movie. I just there there were some things that I, I wish would have been changed, but that's with any movie. So it's it, it's a movie, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I'm glad you had a, a good experience on it. And like I said, the action and the stunts and the the deaths were phenomenal. I mean, favorite scene of the whole movie was the uh, speed kills on the porch towards the end of the movie. Oh. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, because that's what it would look like if Superman went bonkers and just ran yeah. into somebody full speed, just yeah, blown apart. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, yeah. It 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 was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's just me. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping they can get. Uh, I'm hoping they could do a second one because th- yeah, they left too. a lot open to work with. Oh yeah, there's so much left to tell. In fact, that might that might help. You know, some of the reservations you have. You said you know some things were not you know didn't come together, and 
there are some parts of the script that are left hanging, you know, so it'd be great to, uh, to answer all those questions and then see, you know, as he grows up, see maybe, you know, where he, where he goes with it, you know, what he, yeah. what he takes from it. Yeah. So there's a long way. I mean, it could be a whole series the character because it's just so open-ended i'd say it could definitely at least be a trilogy yeah yeah we'll see the character arc for where this kid goes after learning everything that he's done yeah for more horror stuff you've also been in four episodes of american horror story i have my favorite job to date i would say was uh last october <laughs> it was you know, 1984 the scene that I did in 1984 that really so far has been my favorite season because oh, right I mean okay so I was born in 86 so growing yeah. up the 80s horror movies were obviously you know that that that's my generation of horror movies so catching all the 80s tropes from that season it's like oh that's great oh okay cool that's a nod to such and such and there's a scene. And then in the images you sent me, I find out it's your scene. Um, <laughs> maybe you can help me out here because I can't remember the actor's name. He's out on the boat. Oh, yeah. Um, Robert Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. Yeah. John Carroll Lynch. Yeah. Lynch is out on the boat. And it's the middle of the lake. I'm like, oh, this has got to be a throwback to Friday. Right. And like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And then, boom, out of the water. I was like, yes! That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, as soon as I got the call for it, it, I was so psyched about it. Yeah. The whole thing was great. It was so fun. It was, it was an awesome shoot. I got to like spend a lot of time underwater. We shot it at this little, an actual little lake up up in uh, in Hollywood, up Lake Hollywood. And... Um, it was cool. You know, while they were filming stuff, I'd walk around the hall. You'd see all the different cabins and look at all of the, you know, everywhere they were shooting. And I always do that whenever I shoot something. I, like I said, I've got lots of spare time. So I always take time to go look at everything. And so I got to spend a couple of weeks. I think I worked on it for two weeks for that episode. I was, uh, you know, I got to, to walk around the, the cabins and the whole camp. That was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, the whole thing set, you know, like you said, around this camp. And it's like, okay, there's got to be a Friday the 13th pull somewhere and yeah. they were really careful not to make it too camp slashery with mm -hmm. a, you know, I mean they made it very generic slasher uh, it was a generic slasher season season and then like yeah as soon as he's out on the boat it's like please please let this be the scene yeah and then yeah you you come jumping out of the boat to pull him under it's like yes I woke my kids up by yelling at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. Go back to bed. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Even, you know, even having shot it and I watched, you know, all the, all the dailies when I was there on set, you know, we watched playback and everything, but it still looked so great. You know, when I got to see it, you know, of course I, I love American Horror Story, so I can't, I, I, whether I'm on it or not, I'm, I'm right there, you know, waiting to watch it. And so I was watching it and I mean, kind of surprised myself, you know, the way that they, not, you know, <laughs> they did a good job with it. You know, they really, they added a lot of visual effects to my face and so it looked really good. And so I was really happy with it. Well, and yeah, the buildup to it, like you weren't expecting the jump. Yeah. I mean, unless you're, you know, a weirdo like me and you were hoping for the, uh, 
Friday the 13th yeah. nod right then. I think I think a lot of people were. <laughs> I think a lot of people were expecting it. You know, it, it was so similar with, you know, she's standing across on the other side and, you know, that it's pretty pretty closely matched. Oh, yeah. So it, the, the so. scene's pretty well set up. And you're like, okay, is it going to happen? Yeah. And, like, honestly, I was ready for in true American Horror Story fashion for them to just be like, nope. You know, just to be like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, it's this big nod to the horror franchise. But that's all you get. You know, and then... <laughs> right. Well, you get the poster that looks like it. Yeah, you know, just take away the obvious and then hit you with something later. But no, I... Yeah. But then, yeah, they hit you with, you know, the throwback to Jason coming out of the water. Uh, yeah. One of the most iconic scenes from the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah. And it's just like, holy crap. You know, aside from, from the obvious you know, connection to the, you know, to the eighties movies, that whole scene was just insane. You know, I mean, just standing on its own with Lily Grave, you know, the whole performance of, you know, where's my son and, you know, to have a, a kid that had just been, you know, killed by a motorboat. Like that whole scene had, I'll tell you, yeah. the crew, everybody, you know, I'm sure you remember the scene, but we were all just pouring. We were sobbing. She was, it was so good. It was insane. And, and I've actually, I've played, I've played her son twice now. So I've gotten to see a lot of emotion out of Lily Rave. And that, that episode is one of, one of the most incredible acting performances I've ever, I've ever seen. So I'm just so happy to actually be in it, you know, to be in that episode. I say, she, she really, uh, sold that scene in, like you said, the emotion and, everything because you're right leading up to the throwback scene it, it really is the, the the focus is on you know where's my son you know my, my son's missing and you, you just find out that oh he just had his head busted open with the boat motor yeah and just like holy crap you can't ima- i mean trying to process that as a parent or a person you you can't imagine the pain she's going through and seeing what she's portraying on screen is just phenomenal yeah so it's just like holy shit sometimes on a set you know i i'm just right there in 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 the movie making of it you know and i just i can clearly see the lines being delivered and the and the marks being being hit you know other times it's so real and it's just so like palpable and and I can say that this performance is one that was just real like I would swear she had you know okay not not only was her performance insane but there was this little kid laying there just covered in blood the whole crew was just aghast you know and it was it was so real it was I I felt as if she had really lost her son right there. And, you know, I don't want to keep going on about Lily Gray, but that scene just, it was something really, you know, it was something amazing, you know, to experience. Yeah. Even just watching it, you know. One more I want to touch on before we get into Red Clover. Um, mm-hmm. So, as we know, the world's tied up right now in the Snyder Cut. The Justice League, let's release the Snyder Cut, this movie that's been on a shelf. Mm-hmm. More importantly... 
you're part of a project I really want to know more about. It's the primevils. David Allen's the primevils. Mm-hmm. David Allen started this project in 1968. Charles Band signed on in 78. When Allen died in 1999, horror fans didn't think this movie was ever going to get finished. It's still being worked on. Screw the Snyder Cut. This is the... You know, this this is the release people want to see. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be finished. I mean, Chris Endicott is is uh, feverishly working as he has for uh, his, 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 as long as I've known him. You know, for the last thirty something years that when I worked on it, Chris Endicott has been uh, the the lifeblood of it. He was David Allen's right hand man, and. Um, that I, I, I mean, I remember working on that movie and I remember meeting David the first time, uh, that, that whole project and that, and that man, there's something magical about that whole thing. And I just cannot wait to see that, see it released. Right. I mean, it's, you know, you kept, as fans, we kept hearing about this, essentially this lost movie mm-hmm. and is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then. You know, to see that it's, you know, here we are in 2021, it's still being worked on. It's like, there's hope. That's great. Yeah, there's, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of stuff that was shot that is never going to be, you know, it's just gone. And so they're going to have to, the plan is to re recreate things or even just fill in with, uh, you know, with artist renderings or, you know, you know, composites or, but, but a large part of it will, will be, is available and will be able to, you know, be used. And so at the very least, the story that David Allen told will, you know, be able, the story that he wrote will be able, you know, to get out there. As I say, the core of what David Allen wanted will still be there, even if it's not all of his, uh, effects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, which that is was, a shame. That, that whole shoot was amazing. We shot that at a studio in Romania that was the same or one of the same studios that Hitler used to make his propaganda films, which was nutty. <laughs> when, I, when we were there, we looked at a bunch of like historical photos of, you know, where they did all of those videos where there was like hundreds of thousands of people all marching. And, you know, it was all, it was all effects. That was all visual effects. And it was done by some woman editor that worked in Romania at uh, Snagoff studio which is where where we filmed that's crazy where we filmed it yeah and uh and super awesome story is that i was working with uh juliet mills she uh i I played a hominid and juliet mills played one of the one of the main doctors in the movie and one day she was filming all day and uh and i had a very short scene in the beginning of the day and so i'd finished shooting and uh her husband came to the set max caulfield was hanging out there in romania and um um, I'm sure you're familiar with Max Caulfield. He was from Greece too. And he was like super famous right at that moment that we were in Romania. He was super famous. And I just hadn't had the chance to see Greece too yet. <laughs> I didn't know who, I didn't know that he was a famous actor. And, um, and I was asking him, you know, so we hung out in Romania for an entire day and got to know each other. And so at the end, I, I finally found out throughout, it's like, Oh, you're an actor too. And then, uh, afterward found out, Holy crap, that was Max Caulfield. I was hanging out with all day. So, <laughs> That was that was a crazy day, and and we stayed I've stayed friends with Max and Juliet ever since, and we still you know we still get in touch with each other 
you know, often. And for all of these years, we stayed, you know, stayed friends. So it was a really great experience. You're an actor too? Well, I'm pretty popular right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think you wanted to think it was so rude of me. I can't believe it that I didn't know him, you know, that I'd know of him. Or, I mean, he was pretty popular at the time. But, you know, I had second thought, maybe... maybe he was grateful for that, you know, that it was just somebody to hang out with. It wasn't going to be a chance to just be normal for a day. Yeah. And we did have so much fun. You know, we went to like all over Romania. We took buses and we looked at old churches and we just, we like spent, you know, nine, 10 hours just going around looking at, uh, you know, we, we went to the, the, the place where Ceausescu and his wife were killed by, you know, all the people in Romania drug them out and, we went and looked at the town square and that had only been five years or so before we were there. So a lot of history, you know, I always, whenever I travel uh, on, on a film job, even, you know, whether it's outside of the country or in, I always try to go to like museums or, you know, try to see what's historical around the area that I'm in. And Romania was full of history. Well, yeah, say as a fan of history, mm -hmm. Romania is on my, I would like to visit one day list. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because it. like you said, you know the you know the architecture, the just everything that's gone down in Romania over the years. I mean, honestly, it's essentially like traveling the uh, northeast here in the United States. I mean, there's so much packed in that little area, history-wise, that yeah, you can be there forever and still not catch all of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the reason for the season. <laughs> Red Clover or <laughs> Leprechaun's Revenge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> funny, you search Red Clover and it comes up Leprechaun's Revenge. It's like, that's not what I put in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, though. You get two different, uh, two different credits for one film. And... You know, then you dig into it and it's like, oh, because they, you know, obviously it's not part of the Leprechaun franchise. Can't be confused yeah. with Warwick Davis's Leprechaun. Right. Yeah. Except on sci-fi, I think they don't mind too much if it is confused. But theatrically, they don't want it to be confused. I think sci-fi likes the uh, publicity. Yeah. And I got to say, as far as like the movies sci-fi has put out over the years, this has mm -hmm. been one of the better ones. Oh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> I think I actually like it better than the Leprechaun series, from like a horror standpoint. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I sure do. At least it's it's more serious. You know, there there are some definite parts, and in fact, some of the more, you know, I guess silly you would call it. You know, some of the more ridiculous parts that were in the movie were actually done after it was all done. You know, originally it was just meant to be scary and 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 real. You know, and and you can kind of tell from the movie that there are some scenes where where it's scary. You know, you know, oh, where, yeah. like for example, the, the the kids drinking the beers, where it's scary and it's really a monster, versus times where he's you know bouncing up onto a, a float and you know more out of driving a car, you know, more outrageous things. As I say, where it's more made for TV. Yeah. Horror. Yeah. Do you have a favorite kill from that movie? <laughs> well, my favorite one actually didn't didn't really make it in entirely. My favorite one is in, in the bar. If you remember the guy that works at the bar, mm -hmm. uh, the bartender, he com comes out of the bar and he walks back and he throws his trash into the trash bin. 
And then in the movie, it just cuts to him, his face being sliced off and he's laying on the ground. But I had a little trampoline back there. And when he opened it, I came springing out and we had blood flying out of my mouth. And it was such an awesome effect. And I don't know what, why it wasn't used, if it was time or if, you know, something showed in the background or what it was. I don't know what it was, but, but that one was really, really awesome. I really did like that one. But, um, but you know, Dave Davis, <laughs> the the killing scene in the tunnel was pretty cool. You know, when, um, uh, what was his name? Zach or something? What was the character's name? Gak? I forget what the character's name was played by Dave. Uh, yeah, Dax. Yeah, Dax. Um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> you know, we fight and he kills me. That's where he, basically where he kills me. So that, that, in that one, he, um, we were fighting and I have, you know, I have big, like, prosthetics and everything, but the teeth, were like pretty hard big teeth and I took a shoulder right to the tooth and wound up actually knocking out my real front my oh, top oh, oh. front tooth got completely knocked out in that fight with uh Dave Davis. So uh so I had you know finished shooting the the rest of the day and then well finished finished shooting the rest of two days and then uh when I got back to LA I had my tooth replaced. Well and I think one of my favorites and it wasn't even that like great of a kill, it was just perfect timing was you take out Billy Zane in the middle of a pity party. <laughs> right. You know, I mean... That one was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. Like, he's just sitting there just, oh, I'm so terrible. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, thank right. you. You know, it, it was just great. Yeah. They were coming up with those gags on the fly. Yeah, as we were shooting stuff, they were coming up with those ideas. And that one threw Daywall. Like, why don't you just, in the middle of his line, just cut him off and... Yeah, really, it wasn't written that way originally, but but um, but that's how it how it how it worked out, and it was really funny. You know, I, I did that three or four times, pulled him backwards onto we had you know pad behind the door, and I'd grab him and pull him back you know behind, and we did that a few times. Yeah, that was a cool one. But being on top of the car though was was a much better stunt. Being on top, you know, remember when it was when the jeep was driving down the yeah. road and I'm standing on top. That one that was a pretty pretty fun one i could imagine as i'm not doing any stunts but i like to watch them yeah we were originally we had um a, a big pad we wound up not using it but originally um we were planning on having him roll off the back of the jeep and land onto a pad that was being pulled by the jeep but and we, we did it a couple of times in in rehearsal but we wound up not using it i think just because storyline uh you know he, he wound they they wind up having him not not fall off. Instead, it's the gas tank that falls off. So I think it was originally written that the leprechaun falls off, and I was supposed to roll off the back, and then they changed it to the gas tank to the jeep falls off. Well, see, and I had to go back mm -hmm. and watch it because I, I had to rewind and watch again because it's like, what the hell fell off of that damn thing? Yeah, it's like because it fell off, and then they they shoot it. There's an explosion. I was like. What came off of the Jeep? Yeah, that's what set the, the gas tank. That's what sets up the big explosion, you know, when, when Lumpy finally gets exploded. And, I mean, you had a pretty fun fight with uh, William Devane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one, actually. William Devane was a crack-up. He was hilarious. And that whole fight was just so fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we did have quite a fight. Th that was another fun part about this movie is it's not like it... Especially for sci-fi movies, it's not like it was just, oh, there's a bunch of no-name talent in this movie. I mean, 
William Devane's been in a lot of movies. Billy Zane's been in a lot of movies. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you got to kill some top tier talent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had yeah, I've had pretty good luck with that. Yeah, with killing killing big actors. I've, I've had a lot of luck with that. You know, they were both great on the set, on you know, helping. You know, they were they were both fully you know involved, and you know, I mean, sometimes you get actors that are like, oh, you know, I'm gonna wait this out in my in my hotel room. But you know, they were they were both great. And I, you know, I hung out with Billy Zane for hours getting into makeup and he didn't have to, you know, his makeup didn't take long, but he would stay there in the, uh, in the makeup chair next to mine. And we would just talk for the two hours that it took every day getting in, getting into makeup. And then we had lots of stories. He and I came up with a couple of good script ideas that we actually haven't written now that, now that I think we should get back on. We had a really great idea. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should get back to him on that, but uh kept in touch with him a little bit. Not William Devane, but with Billy Zane a little bit. But it was a very fun project. Well, I mean, he's been in enough, you know, Zane's been in enough horror movies. And you've done stunts and enough stuff. Two of you together, you ought to be able to put together something. Yeah, yeah, you would think. Yeah, it's actually a really good idea. Neither one of us actually wound up writing it, but we sat and talked about all the ideas for hours. Like, oh, and then this, and then we'll do that. And we pretty much just talked it out, and then we were like, okay, that's it. You know, we we figured out how the story's gonna go. We've already watched it for ourselves. So. Don't you hate when that happens? Like you you plan it all out and you're just like, well, that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah. You know the thing I remember the one thing that stands out about Billy Zane on that set though is uh, it was so hilarious because everybody was walking around with their newfangled. You know, I was like, well, not newfangled at that time, but uh, you know, uh, iPhones. Like everybody had the newest iPhones and the you know headsets and the uh, you know the wireless jawbone <laughs> headsets and stuff and. uh and he had a uh, an old school phone, like the old school handset, like that, like your grandma would use, that plugged into his cell phone. <laughs> and so when he talked on his phone, he had that big piece that would like he would hold it up to his ear, and it covered up half of his face, and it was just plugged into his cell phone. And that always cracked me up. <laughs> he likes to kick it old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's not really old school. It just looks old school. He's actually talking on an iPhone that's plugged into an old school phone. It's so weird. <laughs> He's retro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I actually got that that job because um, from the same guy that did the um, creature effects on Primeval's. It's, it's kind of weird that uh, years and years later, his name is Jeff Farley, and he he had created all of the monsters, uh, you know, the um, the hominids, and not monsters, I should say, but I guess the you know, all of the different creatures. Some of them were hominids, and some were space aliens, and that, that he created all of those from from his um, creature shop. And then years and years later, he was shooting. Um, I think they had shot like half a day, and they had someone in Louisiana that wasn't really a stunt person. And and they discovered like half a day in that that person you know couldn't really do what they needed the you know the movements and they couldn't really do what they needed them to do and so um, and Jeff Farley was the guy who created the suit for for that guy and he's like yeah I know a dude that fits right in this perfectly and so that's how it happened I got called and I literally was on a plane the next day flying like he called me at like 7 p.m. and then early the next morning I was on a plane flying to Louisiana for two weeks. Well and yeah this one was a very physical leprechaun i mean you were jumping all over the place yeah well yeah the one in fact, in fact speaking of good kills the one the one where i jump up on um danny cosmo the uh leprechaun man the guy that's dressed as a yeah. leprechaun and i grabbed the gold off his neck that one was a cool one because he kind of we, we kind of did like a, a karate move where 
he he steps and gives me uh, on his knee. He kind of gives me a step to step up on. And so I was able to like really just climb all the way up on top of him and really, he's you know, the stuntman so I could, you know, do more with him than I could with most actors. So I was really able to jump way up on top of his face, you know. I say, yeah, because at that point it was two stunt guys working out a scene and it was, that fight was, that that, that fight kill was beautiful. I mean. Thanks. You know, because like you said, you get a you were climbing all over him, and as as we established earlier, you, you're already a small guy, and he's yeah. not. Yeah. So yeah, you got to, you know, climb this tree of a man and chop him down to size. And then the fisherman too. Remember the the fisherman, the, the guy that's fishing, and I come out of the water, and that one is kind of similar. Do you remember that one? The, the yeah. Dude stand, standing next to the lake and. And so I, I was in the water. I'd like go down and uh, come up and kind of similar, climb up on top of him and just sort of pull him down. And he was a really big guy. That dude was uh, Dan- Danny Epper. He's a he's a pre- pretty well known stuntman as well. So um, he's like, go for it, do whatever you want. And so yeah, I pulled him inside, <laughs> pulled him into the lake. Uh, that one was really fun. He's a giant man. He's huge it's not your size how do you do the uh underwater shoots do you have to hold your breath or do you have a uh, um breathing apparatus um kind of uh, depends yeah it depends on, on american horror story um uh, there was a, a dive master uh you know scuba that had gone underwater beside me and he just stayed down there underneath and then i would go um you know i had to be under the water the whole time while they did their whole scene talking and then if I need a breath, then he gives it to me on a regulator. And then, you know, I would have, I could just stay under as long as I needed to until I would get a tap. And then when I get the tap, that's when I know that's my cue. And then I would go. Um, but, but, um, in, in 213, I, I did a movie 213. I was shielded in literally like a cookie jar, like a giant cookie jar that's filled with water with a lid on the top. And, uh, and there was no air at all. You know, if I wanted to breathe, the lid had to be removed. And so in that one, I just held my breath and I pretty much discovered how long I could hold my breath. And, uh, and I had to learn, you know, techniques, you know, there's like crunching, you know, and I don't know if you've heard, but there's breath crunching where, you know, you take a huge breath in and then you just keep going and you just keep taking in more and more and more. And you'd be surprised how long you can, um, Oh, oh yeah. Uh, you'd be surprised how long you can stay under, you know, <laughs> underwater, especially when the director's yelling at you. That was in um, The Devil's Tomb. No, that movie was called The Devil's Tomb with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Nice. So I haven't watched that one yet. It's on my uh, list. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good one. I've got a. Yeah, you'll 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 see me. You know, like you can make out my face really well. And it's basically just me floating in a giant jar. <laughs> Look, Mom, I'm a sample. Yeah, pretty much. So how long can you hold your breath underwater? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, I, I shouldn't say any time. I really don't know. Actually, I'd have to test it now. I, I, I never actually, like, timed it. But I, I will say, though, that when I started doing that sh- that shot, it, you know, the first time, uh, it was about half as long as I did by the end of the day. So I, I did that take, I did that shot probably six or seven times. And at first, it might have just been getting used to the fact that, you know, knowing they're going to open it when I need them to. But um, but the first time I didn't go, didn't stay down nearly as, as long 
And then over time, I was able to stay down longer and longer and longer. And, you know, it's just the longer you can stay there floating without movement, the better. And so they wanted a long, well, just me floating without movement, you know, before the actors came in and noticed me. Uh, but I really don't know how long. I mean, I'd have to guess. So before we wrap this up, were you a fan of horror movies prior or has this just kind of been like lucky happenstance that you, you've gotten into some of these fantastic horror franchises? Um, maybe a little of both. I, I, I like great movies, not necessarily horror movies more than any other, you know, and I've had a lot of great work that is not horror movies. You know, I've done right. a lot of just like Disney kind of kid stuff, but um but See, I, I just saw you were embunked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I do um, love a good horror movie, though. You know, when it's good, I just I'm, I just have my uh, I'm pretty picky when it comes to um, I'm pretty picky when it comes to horror movies. You know, I, I, I just like real. If it's a real movie, like like a real killer, something that could really happen that can scare me, then I'm totally into it. But as soon as you get into anything supernatural or any of that stuff, then I kind of check out. So. Uh, and yet you played a leprechaun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, right. I mean, you, you, you played, it was a very realistic, scary leprechaun. It wasn't, you know, nothing against the leprechaun series, because for the 90s, that was, like, the epitome of, like, leprechaun horror films. But, yeah. I mean, to the point where nobody's really tried to go up against it and then here comes sci-fi with leprechaun's revenge red clover and it's a completely different you know feel it is that like dark horror movie you're not getting distracted by shoes you're not playing games with your victims if you're killing them you're killing them yeah, no witty one-liners and stuff. Yeah. Yo, yeah, I mean, it was... It, it, it had just the right amount of gore. It, it, if you're looking... I mean, you know, it had... It, it had camp, but anymore, yeah. all horror movies have camp. You expect it. Yeah. On the, on the set, they um, that's where they came up with uh, Sharknado. As, as we were filming uh, Leprechaun's Revenge, it's when... Ferrante and Drew Daywalt, all of those guys sitting around the table, they came up with uh, with Sharknado. You know, I I, I was wondering, because there was a throwaway line in the movie. They were uh, talking to, I think it was the deputy and the reporter. And they mention something very similar to Sharknado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, yeah. That, that, yeah. it is... What's the tie-in here? Yeah, same writer. Yeah. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got any uh, upcoming projects you're working on that you can talk about, or are you just kind of playing it by ear? Yeah, well, I've got, um, I guess, nothing I can really talk about. I wish I could. I, I've got one job that I'm just really holding my breath for. I, I auditioned for it a couple weeks ago, and, shooting it uh april all of april and may it's a regular series you know it's a, it's a ah, i wish i could say more about it. it's a series you know lead series lead yeah it'd be a really great role you know i audition for a lot of roles i get a lot that i don't get so i don't hold my breath but this yeah. one would be really great 
So, uh, and then I've got actually a couple of projects that I already know I got. We're just waiting for Hollywood to, you know, be able to get back up, up and going. And I kind of can't say a lot about those either, but those are, um, those are some really great, just physical kind of like, uh, stunt, stunt acting work that I've been looking forward to doing for over a year now. We started, you know, talking about all of these plans over a year ago and then obviously everything shut down. And so now I'm just kind of waiting for, waiting for life to start over again. Say so now that COVID's kind of on the tail end and life's returning to quasi normal. Yeah, hopefully that's that's the case. I haven't gotten my vaccine yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. And at least then I'll feel you know a little little better, you know, about it. So, so where can my listeners keep up to date with uh, your information, like websites, social medias? Um, just, probably just KevinMangold.com. Um, I've got a blog up there, and I've got a every time I do a job, I have a, a news page where I put a new, uh, you know, link to a new job. And every job I've had, I'm pretty sure in my entire life. Uh, is up there and I've got images and videos and all kinds of different things, you know, about my, my career, my horse racing career, my stunt career, my acting career. Produced a couple movies. I've got info on that up there. Uh, kind of like everything I've done is, is at kevinmangold.com. It's a very in-depth website. I, I greatly appreciated it. Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, I say it makes uh, research for one of these really easy. <laughs> <laughs> when it's all in one spot. <laughs> good. Listeners, you can find the link to that website in the episode description. And you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Kevin, it was great having you come by today. Thank you, Paul. Likewise. Thank you. Maybe have you back on when your other projects get announced and we'll uh, push those some more. Sounds great. Yeah, I'll let you know when I, when I hear more. Hopefully when I hear the good news. And... Until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Bash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare.